0: Welcome back to a very, very, very overdue episode of Kill Haunts. Again, I don't particularly have an excuse as to why I haven't made an episode, and I'm going to say probably about two weeks now, maybe even more than that. need to get on that. I need to kick my own ass and actually get into gear and do this kind of stuff. But just before I get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say... I hope everybody is doing okay in quarantine, isolation, whatever's going on on your end of the world. Um, To the little little fan base that I have, the people that have listened to these episodes before, hi and thank you so much. Generally makes me really happy to know that someone out there is listening um, and to know that there's more than one person listening just warms my little heart, so thank you guys. I'm alright. if anybody wanted to know. um, Not being able to see my chosen family, which are my friends, not being able to see a few other family members like my brother and my dad has been a bit difficult. Um, I have been able to stay with my partner, which is good. Um, In uh, Melbourne, Victoria, where I live, uh, we are able to go and visit our partners if we don't live with them. So that's good to know um, and really helpful for me because if I couldn't see my partner, I would go absolutely insane. Um, but apart from that, I'm okay. Uh, just finished my second trimester at university where I'm doing a double bachelor of criminology and psychology. Figures. Um, <laughs> it's very becoming, I suppose. Um, it kind of helps you understand why I really enjoy doing this kind of stuff, reading up about these kind of people. Um, and generally just really enjoy true crime and spooky stuff. So anyway, this week is a true crime episode. Last week's was most definitely a supernatural episode. Um, If you haven't listened to that one, I did The Urban Legend of Bloody Mary. Um, if you want to have a listen to that, go for it. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere realistically that you listen to podcasts, I'm pretty sure Killer Haunts is there. So in saying that, really need to get into this episode, so here we go. So this week I'm going to be talking about somebody that I actually didn't know about. Um, This one I believe I either found through another podcast that I listen to quite regularly, or I also have a feeling maybe a friend of mine might have told me about this person in passing, but I'm not 100% sure, please don't quote me on where I found it. So this week I will be talking about a man named David Parker Ray, or as he is more commonly known in the true crime world, the toy box killer. Sounds pretty awful, right? Just wait for it, it's gonna get worse. So uh, when I was reading up about this guy and collecting the information for this episode, uh, it always astounds me the level of fucked up that serial killers will reach, and some of them just go above and beyond, and it's insane. This guy is one of them. I even almost gagged a tiny bit <laughs> during some of the uh, research for this, so here's your warning. It's it's a bit scary, so uh, here we go. So, David Parker Ray was born in Berlin, New Mexico on November the 6th, 1939, please. If you live there, if somebody from there, li- like here's this, please do not attack me about my, my pronunciation of the town. I'm terrible with names. Uh, he was born to parents Cecil and Nettie Ray. Uh, his parents were quite poor. Uh, they lived with Nettie's parents on a small ranch where they, they both raised David and his sister Peggy. Uh, Dad was an abusive drunk who also lashed out at his wife and children eventually leaving his wife and children when David was 10 years old. After the divorce, uh, the decision was made to send David and his sister to live with their grandparents on a rural ranch in Mountain Air, New Mexico. But their life was about to take a dramatic turn. Their grandfather, Ethan Ray, was nearing 70 years old and lived with strict standards, which he expected his grandchildren to follow blindly. Failure to follow the rules would often result in the children being physically disciplined. So his childhood was a bit topsy-turvy, a lot happens. abusive dad, divorce, living with strict grandparents, all that kind of stuff. At school though, he was very shy and awkward, had a really hard time fitting in and was very much bullied by his classmates. Uh, I know that a lot of his classmates bullied him for being shy around girls as well, so it happens some kids can be awful um which led to him spending a lot of his spare time drinking alone and using drugs it was during this time though that ray began to develop his secret fascination for sadomasochism um and was found by his sister to have erotic photographs uh with acts of bondage and sadomasochistic drawings that's a lot of a word Around this time too, he was also sporadically visited by his violent alcoholic father, who would also supply him with these sadomasochistic photos and pornography too, so dad's fueling the fire for what's going to happen later on. Don't think he ever realized it was ever going to turn out to be that, so anyway. After high school though, he worked as an auto mechanic before joining the army, where he also worked as a mechanic for the army. Uh, he was also honorably discharged from the army later on. Um, yeah, so realistically childhood, like, I mean, look, I, my empathy kicks in whenever I hear about kids having traumatic and awful childhoods. Um, it's, it's an awful thing. Nobody should treat a child in any other way, but a loving and caring and nurturing way. Um, I'm a very empathetic person, so sometimes these things are very hard to read, but my then morbid interest kicks in and it all sort of balances itself out. So right now I'm going to go back to the killings, really, the tortures, the kills, everything. And it's about to get really wild, so hold on, because it's going to get weird. As we've all guessed by now, his sadomasochistic tendencies and his sexually torturous tendencies and fantasies did actually continue into something a little bit more. By a little bit, I mean a lot. Uh, He was actually given the name The Toy Box Killer because of the truck trailer that he had bought and spent $100,000 on stocking up, also soundproofing it as well. Uh, He affectionately called it the Toy Box, hence the Toy Box Killer. In this truck, he sexually tortured and presumably killed his victims using a whole list of things. And I'll give it to you now. And he used whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamps, leg spreader bars, surgical blades and saws. It was thought that he terrorised many women in the years that he was doing this while living in New Mexico also with the help of some accomplices who were alleged to be the several women he was dating inside this torture room along with numerous sex toys torch implements syringes and detailed diagrams showing ways of inflicting pain there was also a homemade electrical generator which he used for torture devices as well A mirror was mounted on the ceiling of this truck trailer above the table to which he strapped his victims. He would also put his victims in wooden contraptions that bent them over and immobilized them while he had his dogs, and sometimes other friends rape them. Why would you include animals in the- I mean, why would you do this anyway? But why the inclusion of, of dogs? Animals? Really? Uh... He's also said to have wanted his victims to see everything he was doing to them, hence the mirror, which that's a lot. Ray often also had an audio tape recording of his voice played for his victims whenever they actually came to again, which, ah, (laughs) it is, uh, I believe, uh, that is assumed that he, is the torturer and killer of over sixty women? Um, whether or not that's actually true or not is undecided. Um it's a lot. It is a hell of a lot. Um, I'm, I'm going to just. I'm going to add a trigger warning on the the episode um, underneath the title in the description. Sorry. So if you are you are not okay with listening to things like this, please do not click on this episode. Um, if you're okay with it, then definitely listen, but look, I, I don't want to cause anybody any anxiety or to open up things that they've, they've only just overcome. So please be careful when you do listen to this kind of stuff, it can be very, very triggering. So after many years of actually being able to do this and get away with this, we now come to the reason why this guy was eventually caught and finally caught, uh, I don't know how he managed to get away with it for so long, but he did. Crazy person. Anyway. uh, Ray had posed as an undercover police officer and approached his next victim, Cynthia Vigil, in a parking lot. He told her that she was under arrest for solicitation of prostitution and handcuffed her. He put her in his trailer and took her to Elephant Butte. After the three days of captivity, she escaped from his trailer on the 22nd of March, 1999. To escape, she waited until Ray went to work and unlocked her chains. Uh, Ray's accomplice, C- Cindy Hendy, had left these keys on a nearby table before going into another room to take a phone call. After Vigil got the keys, Hendy noticed Vigil's attempt to escape and they decided to fight. Well, started to fight, sorry. During the struggle, Handy broke a lamp over the victim's head, but a Vigil unlocked her chains and had stabbed Hendy in the neck with an ice pick. You go, you. Good job Handy <laughs> fell to the floor and Vigil escaped. She fled only wearing an iron slave collar and padlocked chains. She ran down the road seeking help which she got from a nearby homeowner who took her in and called the police. Her escape led the officials to the trailer investigated and it led to the capture of Ray and his accomplices. Police stopped Ray and Hendy and Ray was taken to jail after the publicity surrounding the arrest. Another victim, Angela Montano came forward. She told a similar story and said that she reported the incident to the police, but there had been no follow up about this report. Ray had also got another video of another victim, Kelly Garrett, also known as Kelly Van Cleve, which dated from 1996. Garrett ultimately was found in Colorado alive, thankfully. After police identified a tattoo on her ankle, she later testified that she had gotten into a fight with her husband and decided to spend the night playing pool with friends. On July 24th, 1996, Ray's daughter, Jessie, who knew Garrett, took took her to the Blue Water Saloon in Truth or Consequences, Mexico, what a fucking name for a town, and drugged the beer she was drinking. Garrett had walked into the parking lot where she suffered a blow from behind, which knocked her unconscious. Ray took her to his trailer and attached a dog collar and leash to her neck. Garrett awoke but blacked out several times during two days of torture and drugging. During this time, Ray noticed that she was breathing and slashed her throat open. Thinking that he'd killed her, he dumped her on a road. She was later treated for her injuries at a local clinic neither her husband nor the police believed her story though her husband believed she'd been cheating on him the night he was she was attacked he sued for divorce and Garrett moved to Colorado she was later interviewed on cold case files about her ordeal two other accomplices were uncovered by the investigation Glenda Jean Jessie Ray which was this guy's daughter and Dennis Yancy This Yancey guy ended up admitting that he strangled a former girlfriend, Marie Parker, after Ray had kidnapped and tortured her. He was convicted of second-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and was sentenced to two 15-year prison terms. After that murder, Ray allegedly admitted to having an accomplice named Billy Bowers, a previous business partner who Ray also murdered. The FBI sent 100 agents to examine Ray's property and surroundings when no identifiable human remains were ever found. To prevent women from reporting the crimes, Ray had drugged them with agents to induce amnesia. He made a tape recording of himself telling a one woman that their drugs were sodium penthanol and phenobarbitrol. One woman remained uncertain that her recollections of the abuse were anything but nightmares until she was contacted by the FBI. After the questioning she came to remember whom his treatment and in alarming increasing detail. A decision was made to try the cases involving Ray's attacks in three separate trials, one for his acts against Cynthia Vigil, one for the acts against Cynthia uh, uh, sorry, Angelica Montano, sorry, and one for the those against Kelly Garrett. Trial 1 resulted in a mistrial and a retrial, with a conviction in the retrial on all 12 counts. Uh, Montano died before trial 2, unfortunately, and there was no conviction for her. Ray agreed to a plea bargain in which he was sentenced in 2001 to 224 years prison for numerous offences in the abduction and sexual torture of three young women at his Elephant Butte Lake home. Ray's daughter, Glenda, or Jessie Ray, also was tried on charges of kidnapping, and she was sentenced to two and a half years in prison, with an additional five years to be added to the, uh, served probation. In 1999, accomplice Dennis Roy Yancey was convicted of the strangulation murder of Marie Parker in Elephant Butte, which Ray recorded. In 2010, Yancy was paroled after serving 11 years in prison, but was the release was delayed by difficulties in negotiating a plan for residence. Three months after his release in 2011, Yancy was charged with violating his parole. He was remanded to custody, where he remains. He will he is set to remain in prison in 2002 until 2021. Sorry, so next year, to serve the rest of his original sentence. In 2000, Cindy Hendy, an accomplice who testified against Ray received a sentence of 36 years for her roles in these crimes. She was scheduled to receive parole in 2017. She was released on the 5th inch of July 2019, so last year, after serving the two years of her parole in prison. On May 28th, which I believe is my mum's my birthday, <laughs> In 2002, Ray was taken to the Lee County Correctional Facility in Hobbs, New Mexico, to be questioned by the state police. He died, unfortunately, of a heart attack before the interrogation took place, so no, he wasn't charged. Uh. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah, that's my whole thing with with serial killers and and rapists and torturers dying in jail of natural causes, either before or after they've actually been sentenced. just the the total lack of justice just like really throws me through a loop and it, I don't like it. It really, it really hurts me knowing that the people that he's, he's hurt, uh, will unfortunately never receive justice. Um, but yeah, so that was David Parker Ray, aka the Toybox Killer. Uh, I would have included more detail in terms of his actual crimes, but, it was a lot. And I, like I said before, I don't want to induce anxiety. I do not want to trigger people. Um, I know that some things can be very triggering for people. Like I said before, and I I just, I don't want to, to do that to people. It's awful. Anyway, so that's this week's episode. Um, next week is a supernatural episode and I believe I'm going to do another urban legend. So look out for that one. Um, In the meantime, please stay safe. I love all of you, everybody that's listening. I really appreciate all of you. It warms my little heart to know that there's people out there that actually enjoy listening to me ramble. So stay safe, be happy, try to find things that make you happy, um, and and do them in this really weird quarantine-y, bullshitty time. Um... If you want to talk to people, please reach out to people. Also, you can reach out to me if you want to. If you have any episode suggestions or anything you'd like me to cover in an episode, feel free to hit me up. Um, my Instagram is killerhorns or you can find my personal Instagram at she's Penny Lane Man. Um If you want to message me, you want to follow me, go for it. Killer Haunts has a Facebook page as well. Um, I am thinking about starting a Patreon at some point, but I, I don't feel it's necessary just yet, that I don't really have too much of a fan base to, to warrant that, and I also have to figure out what I would give you guys in terms of incentives. So, that might happen in the future if this little podcast kicks off into the stratosphere. Hopefully it happens. Either way, I enjoy doing this regardless, and it's really nice to know that there are people in the world that listen to it. Anyway, I'll stop rambling. Have a good day, good night, good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is. And hopefully you guys aren't going too batshit. I will speak to you guys next week. I love you all and goodbye.